As I prepared to deliver this sermon, I apologize first for two things. One is that I needed to record this sermon last night because I was quite sick Friday evening through Saturday evening, so I thought it best to prepare a recording in case I couldn't be here this morning. And because, as you will see as I preach the sermon, I have a theological bone or two to pick with the Apostle Paul, so it hardly seemed right to hand it off to someone else to read. And secondly, I apologize for any coughing I may do along the way. There's no COVID involved, but there may be coughing. Please excuse that, direct, that distraction if you can. With all due respect to the Apostle Paul, writer, leader, theologian, I have a problem with this morning's scripture. Well, actually, a couple of problems. Part of my problem is theological, and that part of my problem is mostly with verses 6 through 11, the second half of the text. The theological problem I have may be with Paul, or it may be with the way many people interpret Paul's writing, translators with a certain theological bent, for example, I'm not entirely sure. But Paul's language in the second half of this morning's scripture, some of his key words especially, creates issues for me. Issues with how I see humankind and human character versus how he seems to see humankind and human character. Issues with how I see God and God's character versus how Paul sees it. Issues with interpretations of sin and righteousness and how we travel from one state to the other. Issues with the meaning of words like justification and reconciliation. And with the connection of words like blood and wrath and enemies and death to our faith and our practice of faith. So I want to spend just a few moments talking about that, talking about my and maybe our theological issues with these verses as well as my questions and counterpoints. Because after all, you do know that we are allowed to converse with Scripture, right? Scripture is not just something served up to us for us to swallow whole. Instead, Scripture is meant for talking and arguing and thinking and responding It's for interpreting, always in light of the light of Jesus Christ and his gospel, but for interpretation and continuing revelation. Okay, so here again are verses 6 to 8. For for a while we were still weak at the right time. Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. Now, first off, this is a before and after kind of theology, it seems to me. Before, we were weak and ungodly and not good, much less righteous. Before Christ, the chief characteristic of humankind, the essence of humankind, was that of sinner. That's what Paul seems to be saying. Spiritually, human identity-wise, there is a bad before and a good after. Is this so? Cosmically, is this so? Personally, is this so? Ancient people, all unrighteous? B.C. people, before Christ people, all ungodly? What about now? Pre-Christ-aware children, all sinners, all ungodly? And what if I don't know of a marked moment, a particular time of before and after in my own life? That is, what if I don't have a dramatic Paul-like conversion story, no hinge point to point to? 
Is everything good and bad, spiritually speaking, necessarily defined in terms of before and after? And what if the after is no better than the before? That is, what about people who claim salvation in Christ, but whose lives are hateful and hurtful even after? How does that work? And then Paul says that God proves his love in Christ, proves like evidence in a court case. What does God have to prove to humankind? Some translations say demonstrate instead of prove. Maybe I can stand in that space a little easier theologically. But then at the end of verse 8, there are those words, Christ died for us. Words that seem so familiar, so obvious. Words spoken, written as if they are not loaded with a particular kind of worldview and theological certainty. But I want to ask, Christ died for us? meaning he died like a sacrifice on the ancient altars of our religious ancestors? He died for us in that way? Or did Christ die because of us? Not necessarily for us in the sense of a formula of justification and sacrifice, but because of us in the sense that even as we have resisted God's love, pushing back against it, fled from it, even tried to kill it, we couldn't. Humankind sank to the level of hanging Christ on a cross, but even then, we couldn't kill God's love. And that's what Christ's sacrifice and death demonstrates, and what Christ's resurrection proves. Love defeats death. Blood defeats death? Bloody sacrifice defeats death? No. Love defeats death. Maybe I could be okay with Christ died for us if Paul would put it into that context. If he would say that God is always and has always been for us. Not only for us in one act, one moment, one hinge point. Not only for us by dying as sacrifice to bloodthirstiness, sometimes called blood atonement. But for us by loving us despite our violence, our distancing, our troublesomeness sacrificing himself for the sake of love because we could not, we would not. So anyway, that's some of what causes me issues, theological issues in verses 6 to 8. But then what about verses 9 to 11? There's even more blood and conflict and wrath language in those verses. Much more surely, therefore, since we have now been justified by his blood, we will be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Justified by his blood? Saved from the wrath of God? What are we, I want to ask Paul? Ancient Israelites? Enemies of God? Reconciled by means of death? Paul loads on the language of conflict and distance between God and humankind. And as he does that, more theological struggles, questions are stirred up for me. Although I will say this, that in terms of the designation of us as enemies, it occurs to me that if we are or have been enemies of God, we'll probably still be okay, right? Because God, through Christ, says to love God your enemies. 
So even then, we must be loved by God, right? So that's a sampling of my theological issues with Paul, and maybe as well with the interpreters of Paul, maybe even with the translators of Scripture, who translate, of course, through their own theological lens. I read the Gospels, I see Christ, I see God revealed in Christ, in his teachings, his spirit, his embrace of the sinner, sitting and eating with those designated as sinners, for example, and I'm not sure Paul and I see the same Christ, much less the same loving God. And therefore, as I said, with all due respect, I have theological problems, or at least questions, in regard to this text especially verses 6 to 11. But it doesn't end there because, wouldn't you know, I also have issues with the first five verses of this Scripture passage. Only these issues aren't so much theological issues as they are experiential issues or even maybe emotional issues. Listen again to verses 1 to 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, (coughs) knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. We also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and then endurance produces character, and character produces hope. I read those words, or I hear them, and I'd like to think that this is the normal and expected string of spiritual experience, or an advisement on spiritual progress even. Suffering to endurance to character to hope. But the truth is, I'm not so sure. Paul lines it out this way, but is this the way it works in reality, in our experience? Are these the stepping stones that are neatly and nicely lined up for us? (coughs) Does new life in Christ take us down this path of suffering, endurance, character, and hope? I know people who are stuck in suffering. They aren't looking for the next stepping stone. They're just trying to endure, and that's hardly guaranteed. And for that reason, they care little about what character might be developed in them by means of what they're going through. They don't have a clear and deep sense of hope. And it's not that they aren't people of faith or people of faithfulness. It's just that the suffering is sometimes too dense, too thick. They can't see through it, much less past it. The path from suffering to hope is in no way certain and in no way clear And yet Paul proclaims that we, we Christians, people who trust in Christ, people redeemed in Christ, made righteous in Christ, proceed through life from one stepping stone to the next, suffering, endurance, character, hope. But I don't know, maybe I take issue with that. Except then I remember this. I have a dynamic relationship with life itself. And this is true for you as well. Some things I, <coughs> I do to life, some things life does to me. 
Suffering happens to me, to us, but in my response, even in the tiniest and weakest and most limited response, sometimes I'm able to engage in small acts of endurance. And engaging in those small acts of endurance, perhaps some new level of character settles over me. I don't create my own growth of character, but in my engagement, it happens somehow. (coughs) And that character, as it happens, is it by grace? As it happens, sometimes despite my grumbling, my resentment, my fits of despair, that character points me in the direction of my better self. My more patient self, my more courageous self, my more accepting self, maybe even my more hopeful self. That remains to be seen, but at least I'm certain of this. It's dynamic. Something happens to me, and then I do something in return. I am at the mercy of grace and I am able to engage. So rather than push Paul off again, I have to ask, is my issue not with the the trajectory that Paul sets for growth through adversity, suffering, endurance, character, hope, but is my issue with wishing I didn't have to face adversity in the first place? Maybe Paul's stepping stones aren't the issue so much as my reluctance to step. Score a point for Paul, right? Some would say that theological issues are the thorniest issues when it comes to Scripture. I don't know if that's true or not. Instead, I have to suspect that the experiential and even emotional issues are the harder ones to resolve. Because theological issues ask us to consider what am I supposed to believe, while experiential and emotional issues ask us to consider what is true in the world in which I live? And isn't that second question both tougher and more compelling? Not what am I supposed to believe, but what is true in the world in which I live? Or maybe all of this hard work (laughs) with Scripture and faith is about theology, but it's just that brethren are such practical theologians that rather than debating ideas of doctrine, we'd rather find some system of belief that actually works. That works for walking around in the world. Theology that feels like putting on a good pair of solid shoes rather than an ill-fitting suit. And remember this, you need a good pair of solid shoes, practical, real-world walking shoes to walk from suffering to hope by way of endurance and character. You need good shoes and you need solid stones to step on. So with that in mind, perhaps the, excuse me, perhaps the good shoes are the shoes of community life, of peace, of faith. And the solid stepping stones in this case, Paul gets high marks here, I think, when he says, Hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Maybe grace and love are the stepping stones. Now, is this your experience? Is this your path? Is this your goal? When things get most difficult, to step into the wide 
open spaces of hope, standing firmly on love, standing freely in grace as you gain through endurance the character of Christ. I hope so. Paul and I both, I think, hope so. Let us pray. Walk with us through everything life will offer to us, O God. Walk with us through suffering. Walk with us in love. Our lives flow on in endless song above earth's lamentation, but we catch the sweet though far of him that hails a new creation. We thank you, God, that you are love, and love is Lord of heaven and earth. Amen.